Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and today I'm going to have Patrick Altman. He's joined me in just a minute. Then Pastor David Miles is going to join Rosie B. and myself for the Monday afternoon mix. And then Dr. Ann Bradley is going to talk about the economy in the second hour. And then my favorite Greek geek, Chris Palmer, as he calls himself, is going to talk about the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. That's what we've got on tap for today. I'm excited to start the show with my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. Patrick, welcome. Hey, thanks. It's been a while. It has been a while. And you know, this is the first time you and I have been together on the air in 2022. Therefore, I nominate that we make this Maryland Monday. I can't think of a better reason to make it a Maryland Monday. Yeah. Um, you know, she's uh, she always helps us greet in the old year and the new year. So yeah, this she is, does. Yeah, she does. we haven't spoken since before the holidays. So, yeah, and you had a, I take it you had a wonderful Christmas? I did. It was lovely. The whole yeah. the whole Christmas was great. New Year's was exciting and here we are in 2022. I can't believe it. Yeah. I knew I we had a very nice Christmas here. I um, this year for a change of pace, I did not jingle all the way. <laughs> I just decided to jingle about half the way okay, and save some of it. Uh, and, uh, it seems to have, so I'm pretty excited next year. I may jingle a quarter of the way. I'm not entirely certain. You don't have to jingle all the way. I, I hear year, that. Folks. I hear that. So yeah. I'm, I'm, in, I'm impressed you were man enough to admit that. Yeah. Well, it's uh, you're the first person I've admitted it to, and I guess <laughs> I've done it on, on the air. So yeah, but isn't so it, isn't it fun to, to pay a little tribute to our friend Marilyn in Florida today, just to say hi yeah, to her? It is. You know, it's and I keep there was a, a time uh, she's down in Florida, but that she was wasn't she in Wisconsin once and was listening to a no, radio she, she, show. She spends a little time in Wisconsin as well. Yeah, but somebody was listening, and they said, "Isn't that the guy that Marilyn likes to listen to?" Apparently, uh, she's a big fan of mine. I'm not sure about you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you have this small moment of glory right now. Thank you very much. Yeah, I don't get many of them. Yeah. But, so uh, I understand over the weekend because I talked to you briefly that you and your son uh, watched Apollo 13. I think there's something that you saw in that movie this time you missed the first time. Well, there, there is. But first, I should preface it by saying that also with the kids, we watched all five Die Hard movies. And I don't know if you knew there were five of those. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> it started with the typical Christmas debate that is it a Christmas movie? Uh, we watched there was there's five of them and it's the exact same movie all oh, five wow. times. I didn't know it that. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, they, 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 they were fun. You know, it was, uh, the kids would just laugh at certain points like, oh, that's so ridiculous. But, uh, but we did watch it. So we watched Apollo 13. My, uh, son the other day said, you know, I want to watch Apollo 13. We watched that a couple of years ago. I remember that being a pretty good movie. And so we did. And, and it was a great movie, but then there was a thing that, that came by relatively quickly that I had not noticed the first time around. 
Um, and, and so for those who don't know the Apollo 13 story as you know, the, the, the rocket takes off and they have an electrical short and they are no longer going to go to the moon. They have to try and get these guys back to earth with, uh, without fuel, without oxygen, without all kinds of, they've had a million problems they have to solve. And so on Tuesday, April 14th of 1970, uh, our, Senate met and passed a resolution for Americans and businesses to pray for the astronauts' safe return. It's a member. It's it's in the congressional record that uh, we we actually passed a resolution. Could you imagine our Congress doing such a thing these days? I would hope they would do it, but I don't believe they would. Yeah, it's it's quite a lengthy document, about a hundred pages long. Uh, with a bunch of the whereases and as ifs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but uh, it, and I think it even. Uh, so I'm trying to scan it right now. Uh, I think they include in it the actual prayer, or a sample prayer. So how about that? Wow. And then the prayers you, were answered. How cool is that? It is. It's. It's. Uh, and you know, for those who haven't seen the movie, I. I didn't watch it. It came out in the early '90s. I. Uh, I had never watched it. I don't know why I wasn't interested in it. Um, I, I think I lived the experience. I kind of remembered vaguely as a kid. I remember, of course, Neil Armstrong landing on the moon much more. But um, was James I, Lovell on that flight? Yes. Yes, and I think he solved the problem with like a protractor or, or a T-square or something. I mean, the guy is so smart. <laughs> Nowadays, yeah, uh, everything is computerized, but back then it was like the old school. Yes, you know they uh, they they were showing one instance where they had to change an air filter because they were getting carbon monoxide poisoning, and but they went from one spaceship to the next. They went to the lunar landing module. They were going to kind of hang out there for a few days <laughs> so they could get into the Earth's orbit and had to shut everything else down. But the air filters weren't compatible. And so there were guys on Earth, planet Earth, let's call it planet Earth, who uh, actually came up with a way. They said they, they handed them a pile of all the things they had in the spaceship. Here are their spacesuits. Here are, you know, every piece of equipment they have, every piece of clothing. And they figured out a way to alter one and turn it into another. And then they had to send the directions to space where these guys are duct taping together cardboard boxes, pages from manuals, gloves, shoes, socks to make an air filter that works so that they could breathe clean air because they were starting to get carbon monoxide poisoning and they were starting to hallucinate uh and they yeah and then they show guys on the ground using slide rules was how they solved wow. all this stuff all the while drinking fat. tang yeah and space food sticks which <laughs> the fact that neither of those items are available today should tell you they weren't that good when we had them remember remember how how they just were terrible tasting but we drank them because the astronauts drank tang yeah yeah it was uh, so, good yeah. movie and, and, and a good answer to a prayer. Yeah. Well, speaking of people in Hollywood, uh, Bob Saget passed away over the weekend. At last, uh, I believe it was yeah. on the 9th, and that was yesterday. And I, I yeah. worked uh, a couple of weeks with Bob and found him to be the most delightful guy. And if you were ever going to have uh, a chairman of, you know, Rush for a fraternity, you'd want him to be the guy because he is gregarious and charming and funny and... Um, 
kind of one of those guys you just are a delight to have around. So yeah. I was really quite shocked when I saw it. Um, not, not that we were pals or anything, but uh, we did have fun working together for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and just it's so sad because I, I think he had a video posted just the day before. Yeah. Of a concert that he had done. He was back on the road and he had done a, a two hour set, mm -hmm. which is uh, pretty amazing for, um, you know, just to be standing for two hours is pretty amazing. Uh, and uh, he was saying how great it was to be back in the game, back to doing the thing that he started with so many years ago. And then uh, a handful of hours later, he's gone. Mm hmm. It's just, uh, you know, there's no lead up to. You know, any sign of I'm not feeling well, nothing. And they haven't, you know, listed a cause yet. So uh, uh, it's just so sad. And, it, and it's also one of those reminders. You don't, you know, remember George Carlin had that old routine about, you know, he wished that you could get a two minute warning. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> yeah. that God would give you the two, the two minute warning. And then you say, uh oh, I got two minutes. <laughs> okay. I have to get my affairs in order. And you don't, you don't get that. You have yeah. to be ready. I was reading something that he, uh, tribute to, he gave to Betty White when she recently died. And, and uh, Bob Saget said, I don't know what happens when we die. But if Betty says you get to be with the love of your life, then I happily defer to Betty on this. And I'm thinking here's a guy who is as successful as they come. He is beloved. And he is mm -hmm. smart. And at age 65, he says, I don't know what happens when we die. And to me, that is a big wake-up call. I sent an email to a friend of mine today who is 65 years old and who is also friends with Bob. And I, I just said, this is the time we have to sort this out. You've got me, your friend, to help you do that. Yeah. Well, that was nice of you to do that, to to, to reach out and, and think of people. And, and maybe a, a, a good time to do it where somebody says, wow. I, you know what? I haven't, you know, how life gets in the way. It always tends to get in the way. And we get so busy with trying to reset that microwave clock you know, <laughs> to the correct time. And we, we, we put things, our priorities are a little messed up at times. Yeah. Well, especially, say, Boy, yeah, especially yeah. for people who have grown up and have, have not paid attention to things of faith or things of the Lord, or they grew up in a home where that was not important. And their personal success has given them all the satisfaction they think they need. And they're living off their own um, ego or their own uh, success. And they don't think they necessarily need God. Or if they die, they'll have to yeah. figure it out in the afterlife. And they somehow think that they'll be able to use their charming personality to sort things out after they go. Yeah. And their platinum card. Yeah. It's, uh, I often find that, uh, and I know you've seen this too, we've talked about this before, where sometimes a great deal of success can make you start to question if you need God, because you're not thinking in terms of not just the afterlife, but in, in terms of what is life really about? It isn't about this money mm -hmm. or this level of success. So, you know, if you measure life just based on money and you have a bunch of money, you're conclusion will be, what do I need God for? A lot of people uh, think that, Patrick. I know they do. And yep. you know, it's interesting, at church this weekend, uh, that's one of the things, it's a recurring thing that Pastor Mike often brings up is, you know, don't just come here because what's in it for me. It's it's a much bigger picture. This is not about you. Mm -hmm. It's a, yes, you know, um, accepting Jesus into your life. 
and 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 thinking about these issues and getting right with God is great for your eternal afterlife, but you have things to do here, and it's not about you, it's about other people. And and that's a, a sad trap to get into, I think, where you say, uh, what do I need God for? It's like, well, maybe you don't, but maybe other people do, and you're the person that can help them mm. to uh, get there. Mm. All right. When I come back, I want to ask Patrick about some of the misinformation that we hear and how we figure out what is to be understood to be true and what we have to do some further investigating on to find out what the truth is. That's always a challenge when it comes to things in the media. Patrick Albanese is my uh, guest as we get things started on this Maryland Monday. We'll be right back. Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. If you're just climbing into your car, I hope you had a good work day. I hope uh, everything about your day has been going well, and I hope now it's going to just get better because you're hanging out with Patrick and I. Patrick Albanese is my guest. He is my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. We're talking now, we're going to start chatting about a little misinformation. Now, some of the things that I heard over the weekend, Patrick, were were slightly alarming, but you made a great point. I'd like you to share uh, what we talked about regarding uh, Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Yeah, so I, I I think it's a, a, a safe to say that if you've made it to the Supreme Court, you're probably one of our smarter people. Yeah, uh, and and uh, but it doesn't mean just because you're smart you can't fall for misinformation or wrong information. And uh, I guess they were doing some of these opening arguments about uh, COVID vaccines and. Uh, she was under the impression or had read or had seen a story that there are currently 100,000 children in the hospital, most of them on ventilators. And uh, she had to be corrected by a doctor who said, well, actually, the, the number is about 3,200. And uh, they're not on ventilators. And a lot of those kids that are in the hospital with COVID might have gone in for, say, a broken leg. And then, of course, everybody that goes into the hospital these days is tested for COVID because they need to know, do we need to separate this person from they can't share a room if you have COVID? They they have to isolate you, right? So it's good practice to test everybody for COVID. And if somebody, it's like, guess what? You didn't know this. Along with your broken leg, you have COVID. (laughs) But you think, well, this is a Supreme Court justice. This is one of the smart people who's, you know, uh, obviously knows how to look into things, look things up. But she fell for misinformation uh, and probably got it from a trusted source and said, well, that's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. So so you start to wonder when you hear information, how do you understand what is accurate and what's reliable and what you can uh, believe to be true? Yeah, it's um, well, it's easy to see how you could run with something incorrectly. Um, you know, for instance, I don't know if you know this, I know you like to watch football. There were football games on this weekend and, uh, the coach of the Baltimore Ravens is not Wink Martindale, the game show host. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I had to be corrected on that. I thought it was amazing that he had started another <laughs> career uh, as a football coach and uh, had found a new place and was no longer doing high rollers. I was kind of surprised to find out that had gotten canceled. <laughs> but um, no, it's, uh, you know, you can hear something. And I, and I know sometimes people will hear something and it's too good to check, too too juicy. I just, I just, you know, I just want that to be true. Um, but sometimes you hear a number and, or you hear some information and you don't dare question it, not out of fear, but because you trust the source. And it's interesting. I think the older I get, there are fewer and fewer sources I trust without, you know, questioning mm -hmm. and saying, well, hang on a second. I'd like to look into that. I, I think that's like the the beauty of the Bible is here's a source of information that's been around for a while, shall we say, and it has withstood the test of time. And, you know, every now and then I come up with a question in my head that I think, aha, wait till I see the pastor. Wait, wait till I uh, unload this one on him. This question, there's no way he's heard this <laughs> genius thing. <laughs> You know, I, and I think for some reason, for a brief moment, I'm smarter than everybody that's come before me, uh, which is, of course, exactly what every generation of people has thought. Isn't that interesting? And that's part of this misinformation thing that we now have people that say, well, everybody that's come before me since the beginning of time, they've been wrong. Mm -hmm. But this generation of people, we finally got it all figured out. We're right. We don't make mistakes. We're perfect. We got it. Boy, that's and a lot of hubris, isn't it? It's not a word it I use very often. I'm not sure what it means, no. but yeah, I think it's... I believe you used it correctly, too. Oh, good, I yeah. Think that was yeah. really nice. Yeah. Every now and then I throw in an ergo, and I'm not sure I used it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> you used a word I mean, I think it was today earlier, that I thought, do you even know what that means? Do you remember what that word was? Uh, let's see. Uh, you were all excited to use it on the show today. Uh, gosh, I know it, it, I think it was related to the word clarity, but I don't know what it was. <laughs> oh. but it's, you know, I mean, everybody that has that attitude now is of course, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, people will look back at this time and look at some of the ideas and thoughts we had that we were so sure about and they'll laugh and say, how could they have been such fools? You know, and yeah. to think that a Supreme Court justice got some information wrong, you want to say, well, did you, um, who's your source? Mm -hmm. And do you trust that source anymore? Yeah, because the director of the CDC came out and corrected her. So it's not like it was an, uh, an opinionated uh, source. It was the director of the CDC. Sure, because I'm sure he didn't want that. Or he, that was she, Walensky. Dr. Yes, Walensky. Rochelle Walensky, yeah. She didn't want that kind of information out because you don't want people to panic and think that there's something worse going on. I, mean, I think it was uh, very smart of her to correct that. Uh, and, and, and again, I, and, and I doubt that the, the justice, you know, took it the wrong way. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit of egg on the face. Like how could I have been wrong about that? Who, where did I get that information? And I mean, sometimes you have to be careful where you get information, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you do have to be very careful. Yeah, and you you laugh because you're listening to me right now, getting it. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and that in itself is very funny to me. <laughs> well, I'm still trying to remember the word that I used that I wasn't sure if I used it correctly. I, I was so. kind of impressed uh, when we were talking earlier, and I thought, ooh, you're going to use that word. You better make sure you know what it means. Yeah. 
Sorry. That's Can't okay. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, it was a good one though. I, Cause I remember you said, Whoa, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Only my scholars speak like that. Yeah. So. I mean, how often do you try to use big words? Uh, you know, I, I used to try to use to remember when you get those things, you know, 30 days to a to a oh, huge, I lo- I huge mongoose vocabulary. <laughs> right. yeah. I bought all those programs. I did. I bought them. And then I say, like, you know, can I really use the word sesquipedalia, <laughs> which a, a mutual friend of ours has used which it, it, and I that's what the only one I really remember sesquipedalian because it means a person who uses large words <laughs> <laughs> that's what it meant uh my I think I've told you my my friend used to not he used to drive him crazy when people would use big words where he said I don't even know what they're talking about so he would make up his own big words and he would throw them into the conversation with people like that, knowing that they would never question it because they wanted to come across as if they had a large vocabulary. And be smart. So, so he, he would throw up a make-believe word and, and tell the listeners what that made-up word was because I find that so entertaining. Yeah, well, his favorite was profensify. Profensify? Profensify. <laughs> unless it's because... Maybe it's become a word now, but it it was a non-existent word. Uh-huh. And if somebody started dropping very, you know, this amazing vocabulary, he would start throwing words like that in there. And he never, ever got questioned, like, excuse me a second, I've never heard that word before. <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, that's and so funny. That almost goes... It almost goes back to the thing with the Supreme Court justice. You say, you know, you heard this information and you didn't question it. And and I know we don't have time to question everything, but maybe it's not a bad idea to occasionally say, okay, hang on. I'm really in the dark here. Are these numbers? And you know, you and I do like to do that. If somebody said there's 100,000 kids in the hospital with COVID, you and I, our first question would be, really? Is that true? Right. That's a big number. Yeah. We wouldn't just accept it. We would, what we'd say, I, I never, I hadn't heard that. That's news, you know, and, and I'm scared. Where can I find out more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Always good to ask so, more questions. Uh, my wingman, Terry, good. Uh, sent in, Bill, I was brushing my teeth when Patrick made his funny wink Martindale comment and I choked on my brush laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a. It's like I had this idea the other day. I was going to bounce it off of you. I said, you know, Bill will get this. An untapped market for humorous condolences cards. Like, here's an example. Sorry you lost your job. And when you open it up, I guess I'm not the only person that thinks you're not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We need to wrap up, Patrick. But uh, let's say one more time hello to Marilyn. Make it Marilyn Monday, and then we'll move on. Hello, Marilyn. Yeah, Always a pleasure. We're thinking of you, Marilyn. All right. That's all for uh, the, the uh, Patrick. That's all the time we have for, for you. Moving on to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles, who's already arrived in the studio. We will uh, be talking about the Sermon on the Mount, which I can't get enough of. I love that. So that's coming up next.
the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. And I think we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount for so long that that's what my brain went to. But we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer today. And we pray and hope that at the end of this discussion, you're going to know that you have a loving Father. David, welcome. Rosie? Yeah. Mm. Hey. Hey, guys. How are we doing? I'm, well, I'm great. I'm excited. I love the Lord's Prayer. Let's yeah. jump in. It's it's super, super rich and yeah. it's super, super good. And the fact that we've been given it is a real answered prayer itself. And so we're in Matthew uh, chapter 6 and verse 5, and Jesus is talking about prayer. He's been talking about giving. He's going to talk about prayer today. Then it gets into the issue of fasting and saying, here's what it looks like in the kingdom versus what it looks like in the world. So he opens up in verse 5. And Jesus says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And verse 14 says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So that's just the reading of God's Word, reading from English Standard Version. So, mm, Love it. Yeah. There's, there's so much comfort in the, in the Lord's Prayer. You know, I don't know. I might be kind of silly, but I love that it says our Father because just... It knits you, you know, my brothers and sisters in Christ together. So often our father, you know, I can think about the body of Christ. I can think of everybody I know who loves Christ and God, Father and Holy Spirit. So there's just something in that hour that I love. Yeah. The power of that first word, our father. It's really, really rich in the fact that it shows that God is a personal um, God. You know, one of the things that um, when it comes to prayer and, and Jesus is, you know, hitting upon this, we think it's like, you know, some people are like, thou doth beeth and must and, you know, mm-hmm. no, Lord, you know, and so those different things. But um, I like how uh, Tony Evans said that prayer is a believer's communication with God the Father through the authority and person of Jesus Christ, assisted by the Holy Spirit. But that it's really communications. It's really us having conversation with our Father, and, and like you said, Rosie, that our Father part is just there's such a there's such a, an, an intimacy to that. There's such a you know caringness to it, and 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 that's true of God, even despite for some of not having the greatest relationships with fathers. Mm-hmm. You know. But how wonderful it is to connect us to all believers because all believers say our Father. Collectively, we all share this loving Father together. Mm-hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Right? It's just, yeah, it's that connection. And I think sometimes, you know, what Jesus was talking about, about the Pharisees, you know, don't pray so, you know, using a lot of words, just the way it starts out 
takes you from a position, if you felt a position of elevation for yourself and your relationship with God, just the hour of that brings you back into community, into family, into, you know, um, just the sense that it's more than just you. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a, you know, helpful reminder, our father, not my father, Mm -hmm. you know, those scripture talks about being my God, but Mm -hmm. the idea that we're part of a larger body and God is concerned with our welfare. It doesn't just stop at our father. Mm -hmm. It then goes on to say who art in heaven. And this idea of heaven is a reminder to us that in prayer, uh, God is not subject to the limitations of earth. You know, Mm -hmm. that God is very, very intimate. Um, I think, uh, I'm blanking. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said that, you know, God our Father is intimate, but He's also wholly different. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and so, so Jesus in this way is saying, yes, you have a Father, and it wasn't the way that people prayed to God. You know, during Greek mythology times, you had angry gods, and you're trying to appease those gods. So when Jesus opened up and says, "Hey guys, when you pray," which by the way, when He says "when you pray" and not "if you pray," mm-hmm. and so the idea of this being something you know, regular for us to be engaged in, you know, and, and encouraging one another. I just had a friend of mine who he encouraged me on something and he said, you know, just want to encourage you to to go in a special way alone with the Lord and just talk with him about this thing. And so we want to encourage you that there is a loving God who knows you, like he knows your name. He cares about you. He sent a son to die for you and made it possible that you can have a relationship with you. And he wants to speak to you and for you to speak with him in relationship. And it's a beautiful thing. Mm, It is a beautiful thing. And I love, I don't know about you guys, you know, have you ever had just a block in prayer where you just don't feel like you can pray anymore? Your prayers are stagnant. When I'm in those places, this is the prayer that I think I just need to connect with this prayer and this prayer only because, you know, God does read our heart. But this is a prayer that sometimes if I can think of nothing else, but my heart is aching to connect that this is the prayer that, you know, is, is just brings such comfort. David, your point is so well taken. Our Father in heaven, I'm reminded that a mind outside this world created this world. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes are confused and I get it. Yeah. And that's okay. It is. And I think sometimes like we, we wrestle with the idea of you know, that fact that God is, you know, the eternality of God, that he just always has been. And, you know, one thing that helped um, in understanding this, and, and all all illustrations used about God at some point break down, but I remember it was a conversation regarding, you know, the uses of tense uh, in, in Greek. And so so Rosie and Bill, guys, we're, we're at Main and Broadway in some city watching a parade, well, the float in front of us, you know, that's present time for us. Mm-hmm. Like that's the present moment that's happening. But if we were to look to our right and saw a float down the way that had already gone by, that's like heiress time. So that's past tense. And, but if we were to look to our left, there, there's a float coming and uh, it's not quite here. It might be, you know, uh, Captain America or something. But that's future tense because it hasn't come to us yet. But, for example, if we were doing this in, in Palm Springs, there's a gondola that takes you up to the hill, and you literally can look down over the city. And if we're up there, we could literally see the beginning and the end in one moment, just like that. 
because we could see it. It's similar when we're flying in airplanes. You know, mm-hmm. you start to come in on a landing and you see an interstate and there's a bridge and you see a truck come, but you see another bridge and a truck's up there. You're in the airplane, but your perspective sees it in what's called perfect tense. Mm. And in the same way, God sees all of creation, sees all of history, and yet God also put on flesh and came into time and space to walk with us down this journey. And so that's that's sometimes been a helpful thing uh, as I'm trying to <laughs> look at this reality, like, God, like you, you see the beginning from the end and you're there. But in that beautiful way of looking at, you know, grammar, uh, it's been super helpful. Mm-hmm. Perfect vision. In him we trust. Perfect vision. Mm-hmm. So on that point, Bill, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Mm-hmm. And that word hallowed uh, is the same root word that we get holy from. And so it's the idea that we're we're setting something apart as unique or special. We're saying when we pray, uh, God, I recognize that you're in a class by yourself. You alone are holy. Now, how be it, so God is holy and that doesn't change. The question is of us reverencing his name. Mm-hmm. So he is who he is. The, the invitation for us is to reverence his name and to make hollow it be uh, his name. And so that really helps us to see that God is very, very near, but he's very, very all that and then some, you know, so... So that's a beautiful thing, which then leads us into our next verses as we look at it, because Jesus says, your kingdom come. So it's, it's letting us know that this is God's rule and authority. And what we're talking about is God's literally his comprehensive rule over all of creation. You guys know I love that verse, Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all who live in it. He established upon the waters. He founded upon the sea. So when we're talking about and when we're praying, the first things that we're getting at is actually praying about who God is and then also about what his program is. That wisdom is coming from Pastor David Miles, who is our regular on the Monday afternoon mix. And also he's an adjunct professor right here at the University of Northwestern and a pastor at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota. And I love this uh, analysis. And I'm thinking of Jesus teaching the um, disciples how to pray, and I think this in his, would apply to him as well. When he says, give us today our daily bread, he was in human form needing his own daily bread every day. Yeah. Well, I, you know, and thanks for saying that, Bill, because I think this whole prayer is has the, the intention seems to be duplicated or pregnant, even if you will, like thy kingdom come. It feels like it's twofold in my understanding of of what God has done. You know, he come down here now so that we can act and respond in your holiness because Jesus has died. You know, of course, Jesus is giving this um, us, the, our father, but he will have died and resurrected. So then kingdom comes, he comes through us and the goodness of God comes through us through the fruits of the spirit. But it's also this window to me in in the fact that He's promised us a new heaven and a new earth and that there is an intentionality of this day that we're in ending. Yeah. So it's really two things like change us now and also remind us to have faith in, in the heaven that you are going to 
bring here in its physical form. And that's the wisdom of Rosie B. Yes, part, I like the part of the Monday of afternoon Rosie mix. B. Yeah, yeah. Well, Rosie, as you're talking about that whole thing about about bread, because a number of of people in church history really struggled. Because you have this really high, like, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we should unpack that about that being real. And then he switches to give us this day our, our daily bread. And it feels like this. Right, right. You know, and, and people in the past, like Augustine and Tertullian and other church fathers, they really felt like, whoa, like that, that can't be that can't be right. Well, he must be speaking allegorically. So this must be, you know, more about, you know, communion or special, you know, bread. And, and uh, you know, it's noted that Jerome in the Vulgate translated the word daily uh, with this adjective, super substantial bread. And, uh, and, and it was actually Martin Luther who said, you know, the wisdom is to see that bread was a symbol for, quote, everything necessary for the preservation of this life like food, a healthy body, good weather, house, home, wife, children, good government, and peace. And probably we should add that by bread, Jesus meant the necessities rather than the luxuries of life. But saying that this all-incredible, all-encompassing God, he knows our daily needs. I like. All right, Pastor David Miles got a nice comment from Martha in Manchester, Connecticut. The examples of the tenses that David gave were very helpful. Yay. Thank you, Dana Harris from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, who taught my my New Testament, my Greek class. All right. We're going to continue <laughs> to talking about the Lord's Prayer on the Monday afternoon mix, and we're excited about it. Get your Bibles open. We're going to walk away knowing, I want you knowing that God you loves you and He is your Father. Today. This is the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. And we're taking time to look at the Lord's Prayer. A slight uh, break from our Sermon on the Mount studies, but I love this. And let's get to uh, Thy Will Be Done. Yeah, you know, after after Jesus acknowledges who God is and that it's his kingdom and saying, you know, your will be done, he goes and says, on earth as it is in heaven. You know, and first of all, the whole aspect of God's will be done which is kind of a struggle. Um, you know, there was an old, what was it, 70s show, Father Knows Best. Yeah. You know, but we often can want to insert our names in there. <laughs> say, Dave knows best. Actually, <laughs> actually, Dave doesn't know best. You know, and, uh, you know, the whole aspect of God's will being done is is really key, you know, and us acknowledging that, you know, and ultimately saying, God, let your will be done. Because we wrestle to want to have it be, well, can I have it my way? Well, mm-hmm. we feel like our prayers are not answered if God didn't cooperate with the plan we had laid out for ourselves. That's not his will. That's our will. Right. And, and think, but think about this for a moment. Like, think about um, 
in your life and and those who are driving please don't close your eyes when you're doing this but <laughs> but but to think of the blessing of God's no in some of the things that we've prayed for wait say that again the blessing of God's no oh his no okay mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. no not mm-hmm. his now we didn't but, like it at the time yeah right. but in our rearview mirror it was amazing right mm-hmm. yeah you know and you know uh, but that 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 thing because it's like oh lord you know you felt like you needed to have it and look have that thing or whatever it is and looking back it's like that would have actually been a very bad thing for you and mm-hmm. for those who are as parents and grandparents and mentors and the like we can see this with children that not everything that a child comes up and says i want to have this is that ultimately the best thing for them right I, am i the only one though that goes but what is your will? You know, like how how far does yep, it extend? You're the only one. <laughs> you're the weirdo. I know, just right? You. Oh, just I me. I saw that coming. I know, right? But you know, Psalm one forty three says, "Lord, teach me your will." It's one forty three ten, I think. Okay. Teach me your will, for you are my God. So, so many times, I just you know, your will be done. I want to be obedient. I also what what's his will? And I, I recognize that's a rhetorical question. And the more you study scripture, the more you pull things, you know, you see what his will is and how, you know, he explains himself and who he is and reveals himself. But there's so many times, you know, I, I think it's common that we go, what is your will? I just, I just wanted to, you know, do that. I just want to walk in obedience. And I think that's also difficult because sometimes his will in a difficult situation when you're so burdened is to praise him. To be yeah. grateful, as James talks about, you know, be grateful in all circumstances. I don't know about you guys, but I don't always want gratitude is not usually my first response when things are tough. You don't right? say praise God from whom all blessings flow. <laughs> right? I have a little trouble with, yeah, when things are really hard, I, you know, God gets me there, but it's not my first reaction. So sometimes with this, my, when I'm say, praying that our father, I go back and, and say, and Lord, if I don't know your will, teach me. Yeah. According to your scripture, David asked you to teach him. Mm-hmm. I'm asking too. Yeah. And, you know, one one helpful thing I read on this from Dr. Tony Evans, he was talking about the priority of prayer, you know, and just saying, you know, God's will being done. And if if we're going to bow down to God's rule and reign, then it makes sense that we what what he wants, we want there to be. And, and we want what he wants, the way that God wants it, and and when he wants it. And he says, interesting enough, he says, what we're asking for when we pray is God's comprehensive will, which is his overarching plan for his creation. God also has what we call uh, his compassionate will, um, that this is his stated desires. And, you know, it's, it's interesting enough, um, Evan says, you know, may or may not come to pass. For example, Second Peter 3.9 says that God desires all people to be saved. And yet God has given people choice. And some people are going to shake their fist and say, I don't, I don't want that. And then, you know, is his commanded will um, and specific things that are recorded in God's word. One of, the, one of the passages that we regularly turn to, and because it's so very rich and true, is Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I think one of the things too, um, sometimes when we're wanting to know the will of God, sometimes I, I think sometimes people may be saying like, how do I just have a silver bullet? Like, how do I just right. come and take from God this one thing? When God is actually saying, I want you to be in relationship with me mm-hmm. daily, ongoing, and as you're walking with me, to allow me to discern to you through my word, you know, through the Holy Spirit, what my will is and to walk in that. And so that it's not like a just drop-in convenience store, but this is like, you know, this is a, a lifelong relationship. I also think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, but that's a, that's exactly the fruit of a relationship is because it's built on trust, right? And the more you are in relationship with someone, the more you know them and trust their responses. And of course, the best person to be in a relationship with is, is God. I mean, his character, his holiness, everything about him, his love, his mercy. And yeah, it's, it's coming back to wanting that above everything. And, And wanting that you, you have a relationship with people that you spend time with and Mm -hmm. you get to know them, you know? And, and so I, I think, um, there, there was a challenge given for Bible reading, correct? You know, that was done. I think Peter Kapsner did one of the the videos for, is that for? Yeah, that was for the Luke study. The Luke study. Amazing study. And little, you know, just out there, just sending a little a preemptive promo. We are getting a study together for Acts, which <sighs> is on top of the world. I've already read the study guide. It's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, so in that, we get to know and see, you know, God's hand and work. I remember when when the whole thing happened with, you know, COVID and things began to shut down, you know, I was like, you know what, what am I going to do? I said, you know what, I'm going to grab my Bible and I'm going to grab my my current Bible, my old um, Cambridge wide margin that my wife gave me on our first uh, first um, Christmas when we were married. And then I got my um, Tyndale Chronological Study Bible, which is yummy. Very, very good. <laughs> it's a great Wait, read. say that name again because people are going to want to know it. What is it? Tyndale chronological study bible and a family friend gave it to me in the new living translation and it 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 does the bible chronologically so you you get to read things where like the you know the prophets and all the various things are mixed together as they're happening and it really just it really opens uh to the beauty of god's word you know so but but anyways you know so giving that gift of just opening God's word. And and I remember after I was reading for a little bit, got through Genesis, it was like all the things that God had been faithful in months, decades, centuries. And I had to stop and say, wait a minute, it's only been eight weeks. Hmm. I think he's got this. (laughs) And in that, by knowing who God is in his word, it really encouraged me in my relationship with him and even being able to encourage others as well. So shorthand, Get in the book. I like. Nice comment from a listener that said, I've had to learn that prayer to God is for my benefit. Prayer won't change the circumstances specifically because God's not a genie, 
We cannot control him, but prayer changes me. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Great comment. Thank you for that. That is a great comment. Yeah. So let's go back to the start of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven. I want you to know that is your Father. If you are a believer, if you know the Lord as your Savior, He is your Father. And because He knows that, the, the, our passage opens up and says, when you pray, you don't need to be like hypocrites who stand just for show. You know, he's like, no, you know, come pray, go into your room. Now, God's not saying don't pray publicly, you know, but it was more so the heart aspect. And in the Bible, there were various times of prayer during the day. You see it in Daniel and other passages. So sometimes people would They'd wait to that time and they'd be at a busy market and they'd get up and thou, Lord, you beeth, you know, mm-hmm. and they'd draw attention to themselves. And he's like, no, let, let it be, be a relationship. And when he says, when you go into the room, it has in mind that back then they had these, these mud brick things. And so it was the inner room inside of the house so that if a person broke in through a mud brick wall, they still wouldn't be able to get to the innermost area where all the valuables were. And so God's wanting to get into that, that really sweet, sweet place. Uh, one great book, Calvin Miller's book, uh, uh, Table of Inwardness. I like. David, so. thank you once again for the Monday afternoon mix. Rosie B., the same to you. We're going to just uh, look forward to talking to Dr. Ann Rathbone Bradley coming up next on the economy. She's an um, economist, and I'm looking forward to chatting with her. And then a little bit later in... Hour 2, Chris Palmer. We're going to learn some Greek. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.